Hey everybody, welcome back to the How to Adventure podcast. This is your boy, Ari in the Air. Today I got a really exciting show for you. Sat down for a little chat with my friend Sage Catabriga Alosa. Sage is a professional skier of the highest degree. And he's kind of been doing that for a long time. If you're a skier, there's no way you don't know who he is. If you're not, then just imagine someone putting skis on their feet, finding the biggest mountains in the world, and absolutely ripping down them. He likes to do backflips, flat threes, and 360s. Those are, those are his staples, as far as I can tell. And Sage, I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the last couple of weeks. He has moved out of Utah and into Central Oregon, where he moved right into my ski crew, which is kind of a beautiful miracle. And we've been doing a lot of mountain biking, doing some skiing. We were introduced by our mutual friend and someone who's been on this podcast, Adam Craig, our Olympian mountain biker from Bend that we're all so proud of. So today I'm going to share this talk that I had with Sage the other night. And we kind of got into some topics like intuition, how important that is in every aspect of your life. We also talk to Sage about balance between family. We talk about partnership. We talk about the kids. And in the background, we, we did the recording at Sage's house upstairs. And the whole time you can hear his twin girls who are about 18 months old. They're so cute. They are cruising around downstairs with Sage's wife, Annie. And you can hear the dogs. And the house has this really nice energy. It's just full of life. And uh, yeah, excited to know these people. Appreciate Sage making the time with the busy family schedule. And I think you guys are going to like this. Just a quick side note here before we get going. Have you ever wondered how fun it would be to be a DJ? Just to have a bunch of people about to go nuts in front of you and you get to be the guy that pushes the button and says, Ready, motherfuckers, let's drop that beat!
Okay, Sage. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate <laughs> appreciate making time and I'm glad the, to finally do this. In the family zone. I know. We've been talking about it for a long time. <laughs> okay, okay, why don't you just come over? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's easier. Come over to the family. So I I think the a fun way to start would be for you to tell me how hypothetically you would explain the kind of skiing you do. When I explain to someone highlining, I obviously have to start with slacklining. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's like a kind of slacklining, right. but it's way up in the air. And they're familiar with slacklining, but not really, they don't really know what highlining is. So start right. with someone who has seen people pizza wedge down s- snowy slopes and then tell me what you do. Right. Well, it's definitely a little different, and it's almost the same. I mean, I think that's what's one of the cool things about skiing is that the feeling you get, um, no matter what level you're at, is kind of the same. And so for that person, like, pizza wedging, it's the person, like, from going from pizza wedge to, like, going to French fry and letting them run for a while and being like, whoa, whoa, here I go, I'm on the edge of control. Okay, now I'm out of control. Now I'm going to, like, either skitch my way back into pizza and gain control or I'm just going to wipe out. And for me, it's just, like, yeah, it's this, the same, like, mechanisms are happening, but it's at a whole other spectrum of, like, what you're actually doing. Instead of pizzaing, it's like falling down a mountain kind of and you're trying to just like by making turns and use the snow and using the snow terrain to like slow yourself down before you get to that point of like just out of control letting it run and just kind of holding on and hoping that you have enough like wherewithal enough like strength enough you know whatever to like make it out of there and slow down at the bottom and so this is now instead of skiing like a little slope it's like generally like the whole mountain like and it's usually alpine so it's above tree line so you're thinking like big peak and they're steep and fast and they just want to like pull you down at the speed of gravity but you are just trying to resist so so it's kind of the same thing it's just faster steeper longer bigger better (laughs) but it's not better that's the thing it's like it's the same you know that's like i'm just looking for that feeling of like where can i ski to within my ability to a little bit beyond my ability to see if some magic happens and then rain it all back in before things blow up nice yeah i think um we just did some mountain biking (laughs) where we kind of both live in that world yeah exactly it's the same thing so that's that is in line with what I would think of your skiing <laughs> right on the edge. It's all it's about totally like, awesome. yeah, fighting. It's all about but, like speed control. Yeah, I think that's the way I ski. I'm like, and it, it it's it's also like you know about kind of fluidity, and so it's like how can I kind of like flow down the you know kind of almost as you get better at skiing, things become easier like you just become better at, like, you know, the challenging spots you just move through quicker, and therefore it's, like, easier. It takes less work. And so you then you think can about just, it less. Yeah, you're almost... Or maybe you're thinking about it more, but you're doing less physically. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like on the bike today. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you think as you, as you get better at those things that you can, like, think less or fit, spend less physical energy doing it, what does it allow you to do differently? 
Well, then it allows you to, yeah, to kind of push yourself and go a little beyond and or just, yeah, push what you're comfortable with. And by as you kind of gain that comfort level, well, then you can, yeah, see where the next kind of boundary is of that. And kind of just you want to just be pushing up against that. I think that my technique of like how I've approached skiing and everything is like I, you know, you you gain your confidence and then you push a little bit. But you could probably get really good really quick if you just went for it every single time as hard as you could but then it's bigger risk and so i like to sort of take it easy in that like i'll push just a little bit right now but not now and not now and not then and not later and not later and then again much much later oh now's the opportunity to push it a little bit and so by keeping in that realm where you're right at the you know edge of like oh this is comfortable i'm just taking it easy oh here now it's time to like really turn it on crank it up yeah and i feel like if you do that then you can kind of pace yourself of like that you know you're kind of balance the the like risks that you're putting yourself in by and still like having fun still pushing yourself you know me doing it as a profession it's like well then i need to stay i want to stay at the level that's a high level so Uh and where like at what point in a skills perspective do you open the door for creativity or is there room for creativity from pizza wedging all the way to saging down the mountain yeah to an extent totally i think there's room for room for that creativity and and the room for the creativity is more in the comfort level not pushing the comfort level you know what i mean so it's like you get to you kind of see where you're at where between weather between pizza and some sort of sketchy big mountain line <laughs> um and you push a little bit and you go to the edge and that's just like hanging on kind of surviving but then if you pull back just a little bit well now you can like oh line up that little jump and now you can get creative and it's the same from like well when you're pizza french fry mode you're like okay, I'm going to let it run. I'm going to go down this thing and I'm going to let it run almost at the bottom where it flattens out. I'm just going to point it and I'm going to carry some speed and eventually I'll stop at the bottom. You know, it's flat. And then the next time you're like, well, now I'm going to do that a little higher and a little higher and a little higher and like working that up. You know, that's, you're kind of like, now you're like, oh, well now I can go fast, but now I'm going to go lower and I'm going to like hit that little lip off the side of the groomer and see what happens. You know, now you're like getting creative. and it's the same thing as you get like i ski in protection mode when it's technar you know you're just like it's back to like racer form Mm -hmm. like hands down body angulate you know like you're if you don't do that stuff something will catch you off guard Mm -hmm. and that's happened i've had that on the lines where you were too comfortable i'm too comfortable or i'm so in like awe of what's happening and just like oh my god this is crazy i can't believe i'm still on my feet that i just forget to like proper form how important the technical skiing is and so when you tone that down a little bit skiing at the ski resort skiing on terrain that's less steep of an angle all of a sudden now you're like well now speed control isn't a a challenge now it's like looking around how creativity comes in so it's it's yeah kind of that step back from that like edge of where your your comfort level is allows you to really okay and and now that you, you touched on like the technical aspect of skiing, I'm kind of curious as to your background in skiing and your upbringing in skiing. Racing. Racing. Yeah. So but it wasn't where... like super. I did. I raced from like the age of like seven or 10 to 17. So like seven years. 
of like my early skiing. And that's in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. So it's cold. Well, it wasn't really cold. I mean, yeah, maybe, but it was like, it was at Grand Tarie, which is like known for powder. Mm-hmm. And so like we would like side slip snow off the, you know, race course to like train gates. And we would go to all these races and I'd be like pretty good at making a turn on like soft snow that you could grip on. And then you go to like these races in like Sun Valley and Utah and they're just like bulletproof, you know, not even solid ice, just like firm snow. And I'm just like, I don't even know how to make a turn. Just go, 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 chatter guy. Just every turn, just scared and not really confident, not realizing how much you have to, you know, the same thing. It's like the same form. You have to dive in, pressure the front of your boots, really be like hands forward, aggressive. If you do all that, your edge can grip on hard snow. But if you're not used to doing that, you're used to it just kind of gripping naturally, you know, in any body position, soft snow. So I didn't become like a great racer, but it taught me the fundamentals of like what, how to make a good turn. And I think that's at the time there was no like freestyle, you know, free skiing. There was freestyle skiing. There was moguls. There was like, I first saw my first terrain park when I was like 16 or 17 or something on TV. Like I saw it in a movie. Like, what is that? Like I was built, you know, so it was a whole different time. So what you imagined and what you saw, it was either like moguls or racing. Mm-hmm. So, what at what age did you start skiing altogether? Oh, my mom had me out pretty early when I was a little kid. Um, like, you know, kind of backyard sort of skiing, like two, three-ish. It was really like when I started um, school, so kindergarten. Um, kindergarten through like sixth grade, our school had a like a ski program where they would like take you out like every Friday for a half day. So that was kind of how I got introduced to skiing. I mean, my mom did, took me out, and then it was sort of that. And then at age 10, I joined the ski team. And it was just like a ski education foundation, like locally, little ski team, 10 kids or something. And I was one of the kids. Local parents, like, were coaches, you know. It was, it was like the very first. I think they still have, like, that same ski education foundation or whatever in Teton Valley now. It's been going on for whatever that is, like 20 years or more. And... What what role did your parents have in your, like, racing? Like, obviously, your parents put you on skis, and then once you're in kindergarten, they're just, like, supporting it, but... Yeah, they were pretty much just supportive, but um, my, my... I lived with my mom and my stepdad, and they both, like, backcountry skied only. Like, my stepdad, he would, like, ski on telemark equipment, but just parallel ski. And my mom would actually, like, make, like, Tele-turns. telemark ski the turns, yeah. And then my dad, he alpine skied, but he lived here in Oregon. He lived in southern Oregon. And so he would, like, come to Bachelor a couple times. He skied, like, once or twice a year, you know. So he wasn't, like, a super avid skier, but he was into it. So he would come out and visit me in the winter, and we'd do, like, a ski trip. He'd bring, like, a buddy of mine sometimes. And so they were they were into it, but it was, like, totally – I never skied with them, really. Like, I skied with my dad occasionally, but my mom I didn't ski with till I was, like, much older, really. Again, I was, like, really little, and then, like – and we didn't have money, you know, we didn't have so, much money. So they weren't, like, going to the ski area. They didn't want to go to the ski area and ski hard pack. They liked, like, noodle pow turns, you know. So. Yeah, of course. Um, and did you, did that, like, kind of give you some kind of, like, like, freedom? Because I feel like as we grow up as kids, we're, like, stuck to our parents. And then, like, the first thing that we can do that, like, is away from our parents, we tend to gravitate to. Do you think that yeah, was skiing for you? I've never thought about it, but it definitely was. 
my my parents were pretty you know i was like because my parents were split up i was like flying on planes when i was pretty little like by myself i mean you have like a representative <laughs> that like walks you to the plane and then you get on the plane someone meets you at the plane you know your hand is held the whole time but still i was like flying as a kid at like four years old or five years old or something um so there was my parents definitely like weren't afraid of some independence but yeah i think that was a huge thing now that you say that it's like i was getting to go to the ski hill with my friends and at a pretty yeah age of 10 like to be able to spend the whole day like unsupervised essentially you know the ski team there was some supervision there but still it was like pretty loose and um yeah i've never really thought about that but yeah not not that I was, like, needed to, like, break away, you know, and that seems re- very relevant, that, like, gravitating towards something that, that your parents give you a little, like, breathing room, and then you totally are like, oh, I'm getting good at this, I know my routine, like, I have a whole thing, which was, re- you know, we would go, we'd, like, stash our gear in the locker room, which we I didn't have a locker, like, my buddy had a locker, like, his dad was the manager of the ski area, so that was helpful. I didn't really get, like, I got, like, one or two free lift tickets from him, like, over the years. Like, it wasn't that big a perk. But he had a locker. And then we would, like, go to the general store. I'd bring up, like, a pack of ramen, and you'd get hot water in the general store, make a ramen at lunch. Like, I had my whole little routine down as a, whatever, yeah, pretty young kid, you know. Just running things up to the ski area with your buddies. Like. You're kind of reciting my childhood. Awesome. <laughs> You're kind of reciting my childhood. My mom worked at Mount Bachelor and like made the donuts. So me and my two brothers, we'd show up at like, we'd ride the six o'clock AM employee shuttle and we'd have to wait around in the lodge before the lifts open. <laughs> and then we just like, we skied till we were sick of it. And then there was nothing else to do. So we'd ski just cause there was nothing else to do. Yeah. That's awesome. And I feel like, yeah, like you, the, yeah. the freedom of skiing of like, just like get on the chairlift and then you get to the top and you just get to make a bunch of decisions of where do we go? What do we do? What do right. we like? What kicker are we going to go try to hit? Okay. So I'm, I'm curious at what age did you start to not achieve mastery, but achieve like some really solid, like you knew that you were really good and you were progressing? Cause it I took feel- a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was like, so yeah, growing up it was, I was weekend skiing and our school wasn't super lenient with like missing days to go skiing. Luckily it was like an Idaho school. There was all kinds of weird random days that we didn't have school. So it was like, as time went on, I was kind of almost skiing three days a week. You know, that was, but like the kids in Jackson that were like on the race program, they skied six days a week. There was one day of the school day that they didn't get to leave at noon and go skiing. And so like Jackson was like churning out like Olympic racers, you know, and we were just over there floundering, like school systems not working with us, like, you know. So high school was, I was just figuring out that I loved it and I started having Targhee it's like known for these big cliffs in the backside where it's just like baby's first cliff drop you know they're like from 15 feet to like 60 feet and they're kind of just like walk up and send it right off the edge you know you gotta hike a little bit yeah you gotta hike out of there and hike up there but it was a great and it was like full of deep pow so they weren't like the steepest landings but it was like just getting like up you know just ticking up 15, 20, 30, 40, how high can you know? I didn't think I went much more than 30 probably when I was there. But as a kid starting to do that, so this is like, oh, 
well, this is fun. I like hucking. I'm pretty good at skiing in general. I'm not a great racer. I'm definitely not going to the Olympics. And, but it was, I was only skiing as, you know, a few days. And so it wasn't until like I graduated, moved here. Then it was like college and I was like no money. So then I spent like, I worked gatekeeping and got some tickets like my first year here. Got a midweek pass, but I'm like a college kid. So that's like, what something's gonna suffer it was college you know <laughs> so i skied as much as i could then but it wasn't until i moved to utah so now i'm like 21 or something like that and then it was like moved to alta and i'm staying at the ski lodge and i'm skiing every single day in terrain that's like the most challenging that i've been in with people that are way better than me and it was just like that that year you know i went from like being able to ski pretty well to like skiing the best i'd ever skied and by a long shot you know the bell curve like really shot up yeah, yeah that got, year. the learning curve got real steep yeah and was there i kind of plateaued from there <laughs> <laughs> no maybe i learned something <laughs> that's pretty much it did that double front and then i pretty much called it <laughs> if only they were filming you then yeah, yeah. <laughs> um do you, when you look back at that year that you found that you were learning a really steep rate, do you think that, okay, here's my, let me just propose how I've felt like I've learned in my past. I feel like sometimes I'll, I'll plateau in my skills, but I'll keep trying and I'll keep trying and I'll keep trying. And I like add tension to the system and I add tension to the system and I add tension to the system. And finally there's like something that breaks whether that be like who you're skiing with or your environment that you're skiing in, or like it could be something as simple as brand new ski boots, but like yeah. something breaks and all the tension that you put into the system, like you are no longer climbing at the rate you climbed before. You're like exponentially faster than that. Yeah. yeah. I think it was a combination of those things probably. Um, I mean, skis were just kind of evolving right then too. So I had been skiing on Seth Morrison's, like, and, and to me at the time, that was like a fat ski, like a pow ski. Well, it was like, I don't know what it was under waist, pretty narrow, pretty parabolic-y, like pretty fat tip, but pretty skinny underfoot. And so I went to Utah, and I remember skiing with, like, the Collins bros, and Matt Collins is like, when are you going to get a pair of fat skis? And I was like, aren't these, these are not, these are, these aren't fat skis? I thought these were, and then, and then, like, and, like, a week later, he gave me a pair of, like, actual, like, some, you know, uh, I think Bandit, Triple X Bandits yeah, or something that were awesome. more, like, legit fat skis underfoot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, technology was changing. I was, like, getting upgraded. I care, I, I care, I didn't care about, like, trying to, at that point, I was just, like, wanting to ski and just was loving it the most, you know, there's, like, the opportunity to be able to ski, all that I mean, clearly, I was hanging with all these dudes who were, like, already filming. And so I was kind of, like, just taken under their wing. So it was, like, the combo of all those. the That really, yeah, that snapped that, like, like you say, that kind of tension to be, like, oh, I'm with better people. I can do it every single day. The terrain is, like, a, you know, a place I've never skied before. And yeah, you're, you're just, just gonna, so in love with it. And you're so, and it was just, like, the yeah love of sport was so high and so at that point it was just kind of like it is what it is like i don't really care what happens i'm just like this is cool and then it was you know that spending time a whole season doing that 
and it was like all of a sudden I'm hitting jumps with these guys filming you know it's like well if you help, help build the jump you can hit the jump and these dudes will film you probably won't make it in the movie but they'll probably turn the camera on while you're skiing and you know so that kind of started happening and then eventually it was like TGR was there yeah, and that course. whole thing went down of course and I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that you probably didn't have like some kind of mental process in which you were really optimizing your learning. You were hooting and hollering and having a big blast oh, yeah. with your buddies. You weren't trying at all. That's the thing about it, right? It's just like, in the, when you look back, it's easy to see that that's the formula that made. But in the moment, it was just like, I don't know. I'm just skiing. This is awesome. And then you're not even like realizing you're getting that much better until it's like, damn. All right. Yeah, when I look back, it's like, yeah, that year is like went from being pretty proficient at skiing to just yeah honing skills in so many ways, skiing steeper terrain, rock rougher terrain, going bigger, hitting kickers. That was a good period. So, have you found that that like the the pitch of that learning curve, this the incline of that learning curve that you had in those couple of seasons when you moved to utah have you found anything else in your life that you've had a learning curve that was like that uh, probably not probably not i mean okay okay let me redirect though i mean it's obvious that you wouldn't find something else in your life that would have a learning curve like that because like we've gone through you spent your whole childhood loving right. skiing and building it up and then you get turned on to this new oh. style of skiing, new people, new technology, right. new place, and just a total passion yeah. is fully engulfed. And so clearly it's, that's going to be di- right. But clearly that's going to be but... like the 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 thing that you're best at in yeah. your whole life. Yeah, and, yeah. and you think that skiing is the thing that you're best at in your life? Well, I don't know. Probably, but I feel like yeah, there's definitely other areas, and it is there has been moments that have been similar like that, and it was. Like for I've always been into art too, and there has been a few moments where I was like when I was young and like in college painting, and I was super into like acrylic painting and trying to figure out all that, and I like got a hold of like some stencil spray paint painting, and so I was like painting like big like boards basically like not canvases but like like you know like kind of masonite type boards, and there was this like switch that just happened where all of a sudden I was able to like work really quickly and be really inspired the whole time and not just like acrylic painting and oil painting it's like this long process that like you have to spend like 300 hours on a piece to like refine it i mean you don't have to but if you know what i mean like there was i i needed for myself that like sort of slapping paint on and making magic happen kind of feeling and with spray paint i found that and i was then i was like making all my custom stencils and doing all these combos of stencils and layering and manipulating the spray paint i've had it it was so fascinating and so i felt like that was kind of like a moment i've had a couple others like skiing kind of took the forefront i quit doing much art and then i had like technology like a digital camera and a computer and all of a sudden it was like whoa i'm just that learning curve just turned on again um i mean i think i'm a pretty good parent that's been pretty rad a year, like and, a year and a half of year and a half of parenting i like to hear that okay so i might be best what i'm trying to get at is do you think that learning to ski so well has taught you to learn mm. 
like taught the process of well there's definitely the element of the in your intuition working into how you learn how that counterbalances like the learning process because there's and trusting your intuition and listening and using your intuition i feel like that's something i've learned big time about skiing in my skiing as a trajectory in my life skiing in moment by moment basis um in you know run here you know what i mean just like in the moment of skiing there's times when your intuition of like what you can do or what you shouldn't do you know is is such a key kind of like uh, voice to listen to so i think by list being taught by skiing how important the intuition is and how to use that um it's helped me use my intuition in other aspects of my life big time to be able to trust that and i think when you're learning it's like you have to have a little bit of that you have to have a little of that trust to kind of push into those new boundaries and to get better at something it is sort of like well i have a feeling about that. i mean i'm a feel guy i always say that like i don't know what my bottom bracket height is or what the flex of my skis is or are or, or what my turning radius is or I or where you know I, I like I just know how it feels I want it to feel good if it feels good and if it doesn't then change it <laughs> I'm not a results guy I'm an experience guy you know I think that having that kind of mantra be taught by skiing then allows yeah life to sort of Oh, okay, here's an opportunity where I don't really know what to do, but I feel like this is the right thing. I'm going to try that. And if mm -hmm. it's not the right thing, I'll do something different. Okay, I guess that leads perfectly into my next question, which is what is your relationship to crashing then and crashing in, in the sense of learning? Well, that's going to happen. Yeah, are you the kind of guy that's like going to, like like a street skateboarder when you... When you try the down rail and you just slap on the sidewalk over and over, you get like, like you have to then do it. Or are you gonna kind of steer away? Yeah, I mean, I've been there. I've, been, I've street skied a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and slammed a bunch. It was a lot easier then. Um, didn't have to do as much. Didn't have to ballerina down the rail. Um, yeah, I I will try to balance it out a little bit. I'm not afraid to take a few hits and um do I tend to if I feel like in the past if I've have just walked away with like, nah, I'm not getting it. I've kinda like ah, I was there in the moment, all the things. Yeah, I slammed a few times, but I had it. I could have maybe that's could you know, there's not huge regrets or anything, but just times when it's like, man, that was the time to keep pushing it. Like you had everything was set up and it wasn't like you fall, you die or something like, mm -hmm. um, but just the kind of like, yeah, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm, and you know, maybe that was the right call. I mean, that's where the intuition comes in. It's like, I'm not afraid to just like walk away. And, and I, I see when you answer that question, I see you kind of like looking back into your past yeah, to yeah. like, kind of like see how you acted to then determine who you are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. which that's that's great how do you think that's changed now that you're a 37 year old father of twin girls uh, i mean i feel like not my i feel like i had a pretty good sort of self-practice before and it's gotten me to where i am and yeah. not a lot has changed not I, much needs to change yeah totally i feel like like i said i the times where I hang it out on a limb and push it to the highest levels to maybe gain more, 
you know, when some crazy thing happens skiing that I'm filming or whatever, it's, it's when those moments where I've like, I've held back a hundred times and finally I'm like, whoa, this is the time to like go tenfold and really something crazy could happen right now and I'm feeling it. And then I pull back a million times again. You know what I mean? And so I feel like those moments that have happened and I've learned from those, like you know when it's time to mm -hmm. send and when it's time to not send. And, and then things sneak up on you still. Like my injury last year, you know, it was like just mobbing around the mountain. Oh, hey, follow me. Ah, Ski into a curb, basically. And Achilles gone. You know, it wasn't like I made some bad decisions in the moment of it, but it wasn't some huge miscalculation on following my intuition and some catastrophe you know some big fall that was a huge mistake it was a kind of a little mundane error um there's always a way to analyze it um you know there was some, the little things tend to get us the little things tend to, yeah exactly so um and that you know was yeah it wasn't life or death it was a bummer injury but it wasn't you know so yeah. those it, so yeah i feel like i still I learned, I, I figured out how to be pretty smart in what I do and how I still have a ton. I mean, I love pushing it still. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I love pushing it right to the edge of where your confidence allows you and then pulling back a little. But um, Do you think that's something that you could teach? Well, it's hard, man, when you're, when it's a feeling. <laughs> but. Yes, that I feel that there's an element of teaching to that, that you can't necessarily teach somebody how to trust their intuition. But if you can get someone to connect with a time they use their intuition or their intuition, you know, that kind of is happening, then um, you can sort of model like, cool, when that happens, here's what you can, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's so the difference between like trying to write a book on it and just modeling behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there is some explanation that can be done too. And then just by allowing people, you know, to say, Hey, you know, that moment when you are all of a sudden like, damn, this feels a little weird. Well, that's your intuition. Or, you know, that moment where you're about to drop in and you're like, Oh my God, I see all this perfectly clearly happening. I know exactly what I'm going to do, whether that's, doing a 360 off of a kicker or doing a 1080 that I've never done. But I mean, it's the same, like I don't have the vision of like, Oh yeah, I see the 1080 like a hundred percent. And so therefore I'm like, that's above my level. But the three, it's just like, I see every moment of it in my mind. I know that I have this, that like, now you have that ability to like go for it because mm -hmm. you're there. But if you're not that making that visualization, if you're kind of like, well, I think it's like this and I'm just going to hope for the rest. Well, that's time to pull back. So that sort of like knowledge is, can be passed along. Um, and it's more of a, yeah, more of a kind model of behavior and yeah. keep them in those situations <laughs> that would allow them to learn it on their own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Well, I think that there's a common, and I've heard this with athletes in general who, who are professional athletes and then they have children, mm. right? And there's frequently there's a an outcry as if you are harming or not necessarily harming, but like risking your children's well-being by continuing doing the thing what that you made do. you right, you. Right. What would yeah. you say to that? I think that um, 
yeah, that I kind of look to what my my peers kind of perspective is on th- in a similar thing, and um, and I feel the same way, and so that's kind of what do you mean? Well, like Jeremy Jones, for instance, uh, you know, he's a friend and a, and a you know some guy a guy I look up to, and I know what you know what he's said, and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense to me too. Is that it's like, well, I want my kids to see their dad living the life that it's more important for my kids to see their parents living the life that is enriching, very important and really good for that person. And if they see that, it doesn't have to be extreme. It just has to be something that I'm, I clearly love to do, showing them that, showing them that passion for the mountains and all the aspects that come with skiing is way more important than the risk of like doing what I do to, you know what I mean? So to, to leave them high and dry I'm giving them more than I'm taking away. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And Modeling the behavior of, of exactly. following passion. Exactly. And, and also making good choices. You're not some Yahoo trying to. Right. Right. Not a dummy about it. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's, you know, more important and especially there's that way there's no resentment either if you're like yeah well i was doing what i love and then i had kids and now i can't do that anymore fucking kids it's their fault (laughs) you know i mean you you might not say that and you might not think that at first but eventually it would feel like it was their fault i didn't fall you know and and so that's not good for you and it's not good for them to see that example either like oh my you know role model was lost their lust for life because they had to take care of me well great now you know it's like you know that's a worse pressure but that's yeah, way, way worse for the mental way stability worse. of the kid way worse so that's kind of you know by hearing his perspective like i said here you know seeing what my jeremy jones kinda, yeah yeah hearing you know and then he he's like you know snowboarding the gnarliest gnar in the himalaya you know i take it pretty easy <laughs> 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 and I love backcountry skiing. I love getting into the gnar and doing stuff that's on the edge and getting. Re- I mean, there, there, the the feelings that you get from that, that being in the moment, what it takes to be in that moment, and to push it a little bit and have risk. Like, like life feels good with risk. And for now in my life, it's still yeah, being you know risking what you're doing kind of physically and out there. But as you age, physical risk isn't. You can't just can't do that forever, and but you still have to have that some sort of risk in your life to feel good and to feel like connected and like your health. And so I think that you know, and that risk can be taken in a bunch of different directions. It's not, of course, it could just be, you know, every unknown has risk. Yeah, exactly. Every unknown has risk. Exactly. Okay, I, I know we got kids downstairs who want to see you but i'm so curious as to your thoughts on your wife and your marriage in the in terms of your skiing career what role has annie played in the last decade of you skiing definitely like providing me a lot of balance for sure um annie grew up in the midwest we met she lived in san francisco we met at burning man we started hanging out she lived in the city um it was like a total opposite world and um we related on a bunch of 
cool levels as well. She's a creative. She was a designer. She was designing and making her own clothes. She had her own business. So she was following a passion, something that she loved to do, and had put her heart and everything into it and was making it happen. And here, you know, I'm doing a totally different thing, but we could relate on such a you know, similar level. Both being creative people, both following our passions, both just you know, yeah, pouring everything we have into it. And so there was a huge, like, just connection that we had there where we just saw, um, you know, and there's a bit of, like, opposites attract in that too. You know, not doing the same exact thing has, I, you know, I think that's just been, it's, I'm a, attracted to someone who does something totally different. And then that provides me an opportunity to kind of have balance where skiing isn't, all I do in life it isn't my only thing that I do and um, at first when I started pro skiing and stuff it was like endless winter man like all you know and I did that a couple of years and then I like took a summer off and and I was just the winter would come and I'd kind of be like yeah whatever winter and then I took a summer and didn't ski and the next winter I was like so fired up on skiing again and I sort of that was the first clue I saw of like oh yeah perspective I started That's... mountain biking a little more and so then I was like oh I really love mountain biking. This provides me a little bit of a balance. and Summer so, doesn't suck. Summer doesn't suck, yeah. And, and so Annie and I's connection really showed me that. And and then on top of that, like, she's been, as we've been evolving together, um, her mindset and things she's learned and passed on to me with, um, with things that are very connected to creativity and to intuition. And she has been an intuitive her whole life and is amazing at she at basically helping people kind of uh you know it's like it's almost just like giving helpful advice but it comes from she's good at sharing guidance with other people and whether she knows what they need or not you know it's she channels information to people and um so i've learned so much just like spiritual connection stuff and we're we're not like religious but we definitely it's like oh yeah i know there's a lot more going on than we can see and that there's some major like energetic things that we have and do as humans that make a big impact that we can't really like see your grasp and some people are tuned into them and she's one of those people and so she's taught me so much kind of on that side of things just about being a good person and being a better person and evolving in your mental space as well so it's like both the balance of like i feel like we really connect in so many ways and yet we're very different Um, okay tell me what you're doing with your family in relation to the state of the world and its quality as your children become a part of it yeah well it's definitely kind of like a crazy i mean place to be and it's like having a family right now and I guess the way I feel yeah it's like well this is I get to raise two beings and share with them the world and the best parts of what I think the world has to offer and be a great role model and and help evolve kind of you know the the state of the human race by sort of teaching these two people um you know, definitely parenting is a big responsibility. <laughs> yes. And it's like more than just about like us and our lineage or, you know, it's not really, it's like, well, here's, yeah, there's like 
parts of this is like, man, this is we are living in a messed up world right now. And it's a really amazing world right now. Like, so the more people that are like, yeah, this world is amazing and are compassionate and open minded and welcoming to, you know, like I'm get to teach two people how to live in the best way. And so I think that's the responsibility, not all the little things day to day. Yeah. So I think that there's a common rhetoric that's going around right now that is children are reproducing is irresponsible because our world is overpopulated and children are carbon heavy. Right. And right. It's the worst environmental decision you can make. It is not drive for the rest of your life, but having a kid is by far more, (laughs) way more environmentally. And if you really want to save the earth, you should just kill yourself and your children and your pets. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's just like, it's yeah, sure. People can make that argument, but, but they're not like seeing the point. No, but I think, I think what I'm kind of getting at is that, you know, I haven't known you very long, but it seems like you're somewhat like Teflon coated to the bullshit (laughs) and that, it's uh it's bounced off of you yeah and i think that uh your kids are lucky to grow up with you as their father i think that'll be exciting to see where that <laughs> oh i love it man where yeah. that ends up yeah and that's what i mean it's like okay like yeah it's only two people or i mean since i have twins so there's two of them at the same time you know two kids but still yeah it's a huge i mean one person can can make such a huge difference in the you know yeah absolutely the whole i definitely am like you know the every it takes a a million drops of water to make the ocean kind of perspective on things you know like one drop of water matters for the whole ocean still (laughs) yeah Hmm. one drop of water matters for the ocean Hmm. we'll dig into that later (laughs) But I guess there's, I, there's so much there's so much still that I want to talk to you about, and I know that dinner just arrived, and we got kids downstairs, so Wait, let's cut it off yeah, here. Let's, but uh, let's do part two. What do you think? I'm down. Okay, I'm down. All right. Thanks, okay. Sage. I appreciate yeah. it. Great talking to it you. It was awesome. Likewise. <laughs> okay, there you have it, guys. Some wisdom from Mr. Sage. We are going to be doing a part two of that talk because we got some more things to talk about, and. I hope you loved it. So stay tuned. We've got some more interviews coming up with Ben's best athletes, which there are many. Thanks for listening. Peace.